Our call to worship is from Psalms 118, verse 1. Uh, so there's several verses, but it says this. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Verse 6 says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. And verse 13 says, I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. And Micah 5, 9 says, Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's just lift our hands as we get ready to worship him this morning. Father, we just come to you this morning. Father, we ask that your spirit move in this place this morning. Father, we come against any attack that the enemy would try and place on this service right now. Father God, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Father, I just pray right now that everyone would have a heart of worship, Father God, and we worship you this morning, Father God, in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says amen, amen.
to the end. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Come on right now. Lay it at his feet today. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Oh, cause victory is yours today. that you would fall sons and daughters 
come Oh Jesus just come Feel it in my bones you're about to move You don't know when you're about to ride it. You said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall on sons and daughters. So let the rain come and drench us in love. Let your
It's pure, it's perfect love. 
nothing can stand against that perfect love. It's the love of Jesus. Just let him come. Let him penetrate your heart today. It'll take care of all that hurt. It'll take care of everything that you've been holding back from him. Let him transform you today.
Oh, you silence every fear, every fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, oh, just the mention of your name. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you just have to say the name Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus.
turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good.
stretch your hands up right now. Father, we just come to you in this place this morning. Father, you see the battles that each and every person are going through right now, Father. And Father, as the enemy raises up against your people, Father God, your word says that you will come in like a flood. Father, we call you, Father God, and ask you to move in each and every situation, Father. The battle is yours, Father. So we proclaim victory. We speak victory right now in every situation. We speak victory right now. We receive your victory, Father. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. 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 You could be seated for a moment. We're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids, three, four, and five, to their class. Uh, as they're going back there, I want to present one of the, our. Uh, we have a, one a new member, Sister Sandra Marion. If she would come down and receive her certificate of membership here, and as she's walking downstairs from upstairs, I'm going to go ahead and switch mics there, brother. Are we on D? There we go. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. <laughs> Sister Sandra, she has been working so hard in church here. We actually were going to present it last week, but she was working in the nursery at the time. And so I said, well, we're going to wait till this Sunday and present it to you. So let's stand to our feet and welcome her as a CFC church member. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless. Amen. Now let's give it up for the Lord this morning. Amen. Come on now. Amen, amen, amen. Tell your neighbor hello. You glad to see him here? Come on. Tell him you're glad to see him. If you have your Bible, I want to see it. Let's see. Raise up your Bible if you have it this morning. Amen. Raise up your hand if you don't. <laughs> Well, get your Bibles out, get your phones out if you follow along on that. Just, again, make sure that the sound is off. Um, this morning, I just want to, <coughs> again, remind everyone that the CDs from last week did not record uh, the message. So uh, if you filled out a paper last week, uh, there are no CDs, so uh, don't go look. But Darren says he's got it figured out this week, so I hope the... Amen. Amen. So if you take out your notes and get your Bibles ready, we just want to uh, go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this message uh, this morning uh, entitled, Unhindered, Finding True Freedom. Father, I just come to you today. Father, as we get ready to study your word, Father, I just invite your spirit in this place again, Father God, and I ask that you be here with us, Father God, that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we may know you better. And Father, that I pray that every deaf ear would be open to hear the things of the Spirit this morning, that every blind eye be open to see the things in the Spirit this morning. 
that every mind be touched, that we could comprehend the things of the Spirit this morning, and every heart be prepared and ready to receive your word this morning. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, and everyone says, Amen, Amen, Amen. So if you take out your notes, this message is called Unhindered, Finding True Freedom. And I think what we need to talk about this morning is that We'll get into this a little bit later on, but one of the biggest stumbling blocks as believers is when someone is walking in a fence, that they've been wounded emotionally, that, 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 that you've been offended by something. And that's what we, we kind of want to deal with today, is uh, knowing how, how people get offended and different things that happens, and you need to be set free from that. Okay, if you look at our very first uh, verse, is Galatians 5, 1, says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Okay, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, he doesn't want us to be bound or handicapped in any type of way. Walking, we should have total freedom in him. And, and again, when we talk about this, you could... Many people use the example of like putting a bunch of rocks in a backpack and throwing that backpack on you and you're trying to get through life with that. But that's not how God doesn't want us to struggle and barely make it. He says it's for freedom that you have been set free. And then he said, Paul says this, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. In other words, he set you free, but if you're not careful, you can be burdened again by picking up more garbage, picking up more things. Uh, by, and by a yoke of slavery. And a yoke, everyone knows, we've mentioned many times, that's what the, the oxen used to have that would connect them to the plow. And when you had that yoke on you, you had to pull that plow. And how many of you know walking forward without a plow and with a plow, it's a big difference. And God doesn't want you to be yoked again with things of this world. Now, what Paul was talking about, he, he was telling them that Christ, they have been liberated in Christ. They have been set free in Christ. But if you'd read a little further down in the chapter, what he was talking about, some of them were beginning to say, okay, you've been set free uh, by Jesus Christ, but all the males, you still need to be circumcised and all this. They were, he was telling them, you know, the Mosaic law that Moses said that, uh, you know, the firstborn male all be circumcised and all this. He's saying, that's, that's no longer. Don't be yoked again by things you've been set free. Christ came to set us free from all this. And again, so what I'm using it as uh, today, this verse, is that if we're not careful, we could be set free and be set free today of everything. But if I'm not careful, I could pick up an offense by somebody doing something, somebody saying something, and guess what? I'm hooked back to the plow and I'm, I'm plowing instead of walking in freedom. That there's many things that get piled on in our back. And so <clears throat> what I want you to understand is that We want to talk about the gospel of Christ. You know, uh, we, we talk about a bunch of different things, but how many of you know that some places, some churches just want to preach part, partial? People it, itself want to live a partial gospel. You hear me? They, all, all I want to hear is about the prosperity. Well, the gospel of Christ contains prosperity. All I want to hear about is the peace of God on my life. Well, the gospel of Christ contains peace, right? The gospel of Christ contains a, a lot of different things. It contains grace. You know, uh, again, I mentioned this 
before, and, and I'm kind of tying in all these messages from the beginning of the year into this, is that, you know, there's the gospel of grace that people, we are saved by grace. Okay, we don't earn anything by the way we act and the way we behave. But there is the grace gospel that says people are wanting to say that it doesn't matter how you live after. God doesn't care. All your sins are paid for. That's not the true gospel. You see, the true gospel contained, of Christ contains grace. It contains prosperity. It contains peace in your life. But it also contains responsibility and accountability. It contains, you know, we can't, we can't go to God for salvation and have it like a buffet table and say, I, I like this part of serving you. I like this part of serving you. But this part, I, I want to keep for myself. So we want to talk about the whole gospel of Christ. So it says this, stand firm and don't let yourselves uh, be burdened again by the yoke of what? Slavery. What does slavery mean? It means you're under the control of something else. You're not free anymore, that you are under the control of something else. <clears throat> and I, let me just say this right off the bat. When we take an offense of what someone tells us, is we're responding to what they say about us. And we are so much like Adam and Eve that we don't even realize it. We respond more to what the enemy and someone else tells us than we respond to what God says we are. When I'm walking in an offense, that when I'm offended and hurt and emotionally wounded, is I'm believing what I'm, I'm letting what this person's saying affect me more than I'm believing and walking in what God's saying about me. That makes sense? In other words, you're in the slavery of, of the spouse or the children or whatever they're saying about you, whatever your co-workers, whatever they're saying about you is affecting you more than what God says about you. So who are you going to believe? The word of the Lord or that person? You see, if I believe them, I'm going to start walking in offense. <clears throat> So if we look at uh, the next thing on your notes here, it says two definitions from Webster. It says unhindered, which is our title today, mean not restrained or held back. Not being restrained or held back in any way that we are, uh, for, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now the word offend in Webster's means to cause difficulty, to dislike, discomfort, producing anger and injury and emotional pain. How many of you know that we live in a society now that everything offends everybody? Right? Now, let me just quickly break down. When you get offended by something, it's because someone's saying something against what you believe and feel. Okay? And it offends you in that way. But how many of you know that when we believe something, we have to make sure it's lining up with the Word of God? Because I could believe a false truth and be offended when someone wants to bring correction. You see, a lot of these people that are so offended today 
will say, I'm offended by prayer in school. I don't want prayer in school. That offends me. That goes against my right of this. That offends me. But then they'll turn around and say, but I also believe that it's a choice that I could have an abortion. Right? In other words, they're saying, I'm laying out what offends me. I choose what's right. I choose what's wrong. And if you're offending me, you need to be quiet because it's me. So what is it all about? It becomes about the person. What I believe. It's a pride thing. What I believe. And that's what an offense is. When, when you get offended by something, it means somebody hurt your pride. How many of you know we're not supposed to have pride? So could it be sometimes when we are offended, God's trying to show you that you have a little bit of pride inside of you? That needs to be dealt with. What if I tell you I'm going to show you in the Bible where Jesus offended people? Jesus offended some of his followers to show them what was in their heart. <clears throat> Let's look Matthew eleven six on your papers. We're going to do the King James Version, then the uh, NIV. Now, after a while, I'm going to go to uh, the scripture where this is found in the context of where it's found. But for right now, I want to just share this part. <coughs> Jesus made this statement in 11, uh, Matthew eleven six, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be, what? Offended in me. Notice he didn't say because of me. You catch that? He says, blessed is those who are not offended in me. Put up the NIV version. Blessed is anyone, he says, who does not stumble on the account of me. Now, we're going to go into the story in a few minutes where, where he's making this statement for, and we're going to see that some one of his followers was offended. But when you do the study of the Greek word for that word offend, where it says, and blessed is he uh, who shall ever not be offended in me, that word uh, in the Greek, which the New Testament was written in, it, its roots go to the word called scandalon. Okay, this isn't on your papers. I just wrote it here. Scandalon, S-K-A-N-D-A-L-O-N. And what that means, that word offend and stumble, it means to trap, to snare. It also means like a, a blank, a, a bent sapling or a trigger for a trap that causes displeasure. So in other words, when we, what he's telling you is don't get caught in the trap of offense. Scandalin means the trigger mechanism. And I, Nathaniel, if you put this picture up there. I, I took this uh, picture offline of a modern trap. What a scandalin would be would be that metal plate in the middle. It's the trigger mechanism of the trap. So and he, Jesus is saying, blessed is he who does not get caught in this trap who does not get offended by me. Now, how many of you know what this trap's called? It's called the leg trap. How many of you know when an animal touches the trigger mechanism, 
the offense, what happens? It closes on the leg, and are they free like they used to be? They're caught. They're hindered in their walk. So Jesus is saying, be careful that you don't get offended, because if you get offended, it's like being caught in a trap. When, when I, I studied that word out, then it made this uh, next piece makes a lot more sense. When you see Ephesians 4, 25 through 27, realizing that the offense or a stumble is, is the trigger mechanism for a trap being set, it says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. But Talking about bodies of believers, he says, In your anger... When you're upset, do not let the sun go down when you're anger. And notice, do not give the devil. Think of that trap, a foothold. In other words, in your anger, don't take up an offense because you're, giving, you're stepping on that trap and it's going to get you. Your pride is going to get you. You're going to get offended and it, the devil's, it's like he's got a trap on you. Don't bless this he who does not get offended because of Christ. Now, you may be saying, again, why, why am I saying because of Christ? And we're going to talk about those things. We all know how people offend us. We already know that. People in this world offend you. But Christ can do it too. And he's saying, blessed is those who don't get offended. Now, it's not that he wants you to be caught in the trap. In other words, he's bringing correction to your life, and guess what can happen? You could get angry. There's many people that get angry with God and offended by God, and sometimes they don't even realize it. That, you know, maybe you'd say, you know, my loved one, I prayed for them, and they didn't get healed. They were faithful to your house. They served you faithfully. We prayed, we anointed, and you didn't heal them. But yet, this Joe Blow walks off the street not even serving you and had a condition, and we pray for him, and that person gets healed. But you didn't heal my loved one. How many of you know that we could take offense with God? Harbor that in our heart. God, God, why did the, the, the person over here uh, on my job get the promotion and I didn't? I'm faithful to you. I, I stay, I help, I do everything I can. Why did they get it and not me, God? See, there's lots of things we could do. God, I raise my children in church and think everything I can, but now they're not serving you. God, why? And we could begin to take an offense with God. But how many of you know when we get an offense with God is because God did not do what I wanted him to do or expected him to do? Think about that. So my offense is, again, because it's about me and him not doing what I want. Who is God, him or me? So when God doesn't answer a prayer the way you want him to, I need to remember, well, it's not about me, but about him. And it's, re reality is it's not about this earth. It's about eternity in heaven for God's glory. It, please don't take this the wrong way either. 
But why are we here? To serve God so one day we could end up in heaven with the Father. But yet we get mad with Him when our loved ones go on. Don't take this the wrong way. We miss them. But guess what that's all about? It's still about me. I miss them. But yet Paul said about heaven to be present with the Lord. It's by far better. It'd be like, this is just an a example. It'd be like me telling little Kai, my, my grandson, they're all about Disney World and how fantastic it is, but you can't go there. Right? We all want to be there one day. Yeah, that's that old saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Well, <laughs> guess what? It only happens that way. And if we're not careful, we, we begin to get offended by God, with God, for some things He's done for us, or, or didn't do for us, because it's about, we still want it about us. God, I say you're my Lord, I say you're my Savior. Right? We love him to be our savior, but very few people make him Lord of their life. Lord of your, your life means he's in control. So God, whatever you do in my life, that's up to you. The word says that you were bought with a price. You are no longer your own. So why are you, if you totally surrender to him, why are you still trying to tell him how to run your life? Let's, uh, let's jump to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Every part of Scripture, okay, and I always use this one, this is the message paraphrased, says every part of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is, is God-breathed, God-spoken, and useful one way or another, showing us truth and exposing our rebellion. Showing us truth. Exposing our rebellion. How many of you ever heard somebody say, yeah, I I, I read the Bible, I know these things, I love God, but I really don't agree with God on this. I don't believe this is a sin. I don't know why God put that in there. What is that word doing? It's to show you where you are wrong and if you don't believe in, in that God's Word is true, what it says there, whether you believe it or not, it's still true. If I don't want to believe that, it's showing rebellion to the Father. How many of you have kids, grandkids? How many of you, your grandchild or child, didn't agree with something you said at one time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, Sister Hazel. <laughs> But that's still not all the way better. <laughs> but what is that? It's your child rebelling against your authority because they think they know better than you. You see, when that person says, I, I, I know God's love and all this, but I don't agree with him on this subject. God, you're wrong, I'm right. That's what you're trying to tell I'm offended that you would try and tell me that, God. 
It shows, it, it's uh, <coughs> useful one way of showing us truth, exposing our rebellion and correcting our mistakes. Training us to live God's way. And verse 17 says, Through the word we are put together and shaped for the task God has for us. You see, it's about him. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't just come to save you. He came to kill you also. He cannot let you be Lord of your life anymore. He cannot let you be in control of your life anymore. He wants to put you... You're, you're like a, was a made puzzle in life and he's kind of flipping it over and breaking it up and tearing it down. He says, I want to rebuild it the way it needs to be built. I need to put your life together the way I need your life to be put together. It is dealing with a teachable spirit or a prideful spirit. Show of hands, how many of you like to be corrected? We don't enjoy it. Right? So, you know what? We don't enjoy being corrected. Although it may help us. Why? Because it hurts our pride. I thought I was right. You see, you could have, you could have a teachable spirit or a prideful spirit. You got one of the two. If someone comes to express something uh, about something you're doing or something, and if you get so offended that how dare you say that about me, that's your pride standing up. Instead of saying, well, you know, I don't see it in myself, but maybe I need to just examine myself and look and see. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 3. 2 verse 22 through 35. I, I couldn't put all these scriptures on your paper because I would have had to print you out a Bible. Uh, so I put a few things, a few verses on there uh, where I'm going to touch about. So in Luke chapter 2 verse 22 through 35, and this is what I was saying, you know, Jesus has come to shake up your world. All right, no, notice what it says here. This is at the birth of Jesus. <clears throat> It'll be up on the screen, and then we'll get back. It says, uh, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of, Mo uh, of the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem, speaking of Jesus when he was a child, to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said of the law, a pair of doves and two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was, a righteous, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolidation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was what? On him. I don't want to get tied up in here, but it didn't say the Holy Spirit was in him. See, Jesus had not died on the cross yet, had not been resurrected, and the Holy Spirit hasn't been sent down to live in you and save you, okay? We know in the New Testament it always talks about that God's Spirit is in us, working in us. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come over someone and inspire them, but He didn't live inside them. He says, so it had been revealed to Him by the Holy Spirit that He would not die before He had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, He went to the temple courts 
where, where uh, the parents brought child Jesus. In other words, they're bringing Jesus to church. He says, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was custom in the law. Now, how many of you notice, you're going to notice that Jesus showed up on the scene, but only one man recognized him. Now, he was the child Jesus. Why? Why is that? And what I just want to say with this is sometimes God works and shows up in ways other than our preconceived mind. Most of the time, he doesn't work the way we think he should. He doesn't show up. And here it is, the child, Jesus is there, but no one notices. You know why? Because he didn't look like what people thought he would look like. I want to tell you that God may be working in your life through someone, with someone, something that you don't even recognize that it's him doing it. I mentioned last week, I think, remember Balaam's donkey? God used the donkey to speak to Balaam. See, God doesn't always show up the way we think. He doesn't always look the way we think or do the things the way we think he should. And then it goes on to say this, uh, verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign God, he took uh, uh, the child Jesus. Sovereign Lord, you, as you have, I love this, as you have promised. How many of you know Jesus? God keeps his promises? He says, as you have promised, he said, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light uh, for revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people. Verse 33 says, the child's father, and we're almost on your paper there, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon said, bless them and said this to Mary, his mother. If you look on your paper, we're there. He says, this child, everybody say this child. This child, Jesus, is destined to cause, notice this, falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of and of hearts of many will be revealed. In other words, he's saying because of this child, he's going to build some things up and he's tearing some things down. He's going to build some things up in your life and he's going to tear some things down. And before he starts building, he has to tear it all down and start with a good foundation. But if you notice the other thing, he says, he does these things and tears things down in your life so that the thoughts of the hearts will be revealed. It, says he, it said he would be spoken against. How many of you know that if anybody had a reason to get offended, would have been Jesus? How they talked about him, criticized him, put him down. When, when he's on the cross, they spit on him and all these things. And if that would have been us, we all would have been running to the corner. Oh, they say so horrible, horrible things about me. I'm so offended that I'm giving up. But he didn't. Because he knew why he was here to do the will of the Father in his life. And he said that he spoke that thing, he will build things and tear things down. 
And the reason he does these things in your life is to show you your heart. Because he knows what's in your heart, you don't. You think you know what's in your heart. Yeah, and I always use the thing with Peter when, when Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times, and Peter rebukes Jesus and says, there ain't no way. And Jesus said, okay, big boy, watch. So here we go. Uh, next, I want to just uh, talk about quickly. Many people were following Jesus in his life. You're following for the miracles. He's healing, delivering, setting people free. And big crowds are gathering around. He feeds 5,000. Just think if he had social media back there. They didn't have no TV, no nothing. And he's 5,000 are following, plus women and children. And he feeds all them. And then after all this happens, these large crowds are there, and he says this, I am the bread of life. And he begins to tell them that they will eat his flesh and drink his blood. And guess what happened? They all left him. They became offended by what he was telling them. Till he even goes back to his 12 and he says, what about y'all? Everybody else left, what about y'all? Y'all want to go too? And they said, well, where else could we go? You see, Jesus knew what was in their hearts and most of them were just following him. Hey, I need something. My mom's sick. Let's, get, let's bring her over here. But when he spoke something and said something that was against what they could image in their mind, they became offended and left. Let me give you another example. You see, an offense... Right after this, Jesus tells them, whoever, and I've done that uh, uh, message experiencing the cross earlier uh, this year, and I don't want to get too much in that, but Jesus says that whoever wants to follow me must pick up his cross daily. In other words, kill his flesh daily. Do you know why you get offended? The only part of you that gets offended is a part that hasn't died yet. Do you know a corpse does not feel anything? You can go to a corpse and kick it if you want. It doesn't feel it because it's dead. The only thing that feels is something that's still alive. And when I begin to take offenses in life, it's because, you know what, that pride right there, still, I still haven't killed that yet. This area of my life, this pride in this area of my life is still not dead. I still haven't crucified it. It's still... Okay, let's get going. That old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words is the biggest lie there ever is. It should be that way. Right? Because, you know, if this person's saying this about me, well, I, you know what? I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to what my father says about me. So I'm not going to be offended by you because I know that's a lie. 
I'm not believing your lie. I'm believing the truth of the Father in my life. See, that's how you begin to crucify that pride in your life. <coughs> We're going to have to go real quickly here. This is talking about John the Baptist. Uh, if you turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to read from verses 1 through 11. Let me set this, oh, oh, let me set this up for you. <laughs> Y'all could have sang, let, let the river flow, right there, spilt the water. John the Baptist, when we're going to be beginning to read here, is in prison already. Okay, why is John the Baptist in prison? Because he was going around proclaiming Jesus Christ, but he came to Herod, and Herod is married to his brother's wife, and John the Baptist called out the hanky-panky and said, eh, this ain't right. So Herod and her, living in sin, all of a sudden got offended. Because the truth was shown to them, but they didn't want to believe the truth. They were offended. So what happens is they have, Herod has John the Baptist arrested. And later on we see that, that uh, she was still so upset that she called for his, John the Baptist's head to be presented on a platter to her. Now, I'm running out of time, but that's okay. There's no saints game today. <laughs> When John the Baptist, before he got arrested, think of, think of this. This is, this is John's attitude toward Jesus. When Jesus went to be baptized by him, what did John say? I'm not worthy to even tie your shoes. You should be baptizing me. Another time he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And then John gets arrested. Now, let, let's go back where we're picking up here. So John's arrested. He already proclaimed who Jesus was. He baptizes Jesus. He sees heaven open up. The Holy Spirit come down like a dove. And the voice of God the Father saying, This is my Son and who I am well pleased. Verse 1. He said, After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he, went, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Stop, pump the brakes. What in the world happened? Before he was, before he was put in prison, heaven opened up, he seen the Holy Spirit, he heard the voice of God saying, This is my Son. He proclaimed, behold, the, the, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sons of the world. But now he's in prison and saying, hey, y'all go find out if he is who he says he is. Is that not a contradictory in terms? When, this is, when you look that when uh, John the Baptist was handed over to the prison, and you look at the, the Greek word when Judas betrayed Christ and turned him, handed him over, 
they use the same verb which contains the feeling of betrayal. That Judas betrayed Christ. But when John was handed over, it still kept that thing of feeling betrayed. Think about this. I think John was in prison feeling betrayed. Look, I came and I was doing everything, proclaiming your word and proclaiming, setting the path for you. I was the messenger sent before you. You're my cousin. I'm sitting here in prison. You're doing all kinds of miracles out there. You never came visit me. You never sent anybody to me. I'm stuck in prison here. You could surely come down. You're healing people. But surely you could come get me out of here. I don't even know if you are who you say you are anymore. See, he felt betrayed. How else could he have gone and and declaring that Christ was who he was, but all of a sudden he's having a pity party in jail? Jesus, you're not doing what I want you to do for me. Notice what it says here. Verse 4. Well, let's go back to verse 3. Uh, the sent to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Should I expect... In other words, you're not doing what I, what I thought you would be doing. My preconceived notion of what you'd be doing in my life ain't lining up what I thought, so I don't know if you're him. Although before I was in this mess, I was proclaiming you all over the place. Jesus replied, go back and report to John. Now this is what he's saying to tell John. What you hear and see, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And look at the next statement. He says you need to tell John this. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on the account of me. That's our scripture from the beginning. Jesus is telling, go tell John, look, I know life ain't going the way you thought it was, but my Father's will is taking place here. And you've picked up an offense. You've, you've stepped on, the, on this trap, and it's caught you. The trap was never meant for you, but you took up an offense because I am not doing what you think I should be doing. But all along, I'm here doing the will of my Father. Notice what it goes on to say. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Talking about John, a reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? He says, no, uh, those who wear fine clothes are kings and palaces. And again, I just want to mention, John the Baptist was sent by God to proclaim his son coming. Did he look like what most people would have thought? The Bible describes he's dressed in camel hair. What? When you read the description of John the Baptist, you, you close your eyes and you see Sai from Duck Dynasty. Coming out the woods with the big beard, the rakachas in there. And... Why? 
Because once again, God doesn't always do and work as our preconceived thought should be. He's telling what, what you think John should have been dressed like the, the priests, the Pharisees and Sadducees. You see, Jesus came to turn that all upside down. He says they may look beautiful on the outside, but their hearts are wrong. John the Baptist looks horrible on the outside, but his heart is right at that time. <coughs> then he goes on to say, uh, with verse 9, Then what did you go to see? A prophet? And he says, Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way uh, before you. And then notice verse 11, he says this, Truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And I just want to back up here a second again. He's saying there's nothing wrong with John. He was doing, of all men born of women, he's the greatest but yet he left them in jail. And then he, he even tells us at the end that whoever's born, in other words, it's not about what goes on on this earth. That's not the main thing. The least in heaven is greater than he. It's about our future. And he was telling John was a great man, but John, it's not all about you. It's my, I don't know why Jesus didn't go get John out. I don't know why, why God didn't heal my father. I don't know why God didn't heal your loved one. I don't know why God didn't save your marriage. I don't know. It's out of our control. But if we're not careful, we'll build up and take an offense of God. We fall into that trap and we're not walking in true freedom. We got that one leg caught. Quickly, I'll just talk about a couple of other places. Uh, the death of Lazarus. We're not even going to read them, but <coughs> Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Jesus loved, the Bible says. He met at their home, ate in their home, all these things. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. And he says, well, we're going to wait a few days before going. Uh-oh. Then he gets word, your friend Lazarus has died. So he starts heading back there. And Martha comes out and meets him first. And this is what I want you to understand. Uh, we don't have time to read it all, but Mary and Martha were upset with Jesus. They sent for him to come heal their brother from a sickness, but yet he didn't. Is it because Jesus didn't love them? No, Jesus loved them all. When Martha ran up to him, what did she say? If only you had been here. If only you had came when we sent for you. See, she, she took up an offense. He didn't do what 
she wanted him to do at that time. Mary didn't even bother to come and see him until Martha went find her and says, he's asking for you. So she gets up and comes to him, and guess what she tells him? If only you had came when we told you. That tells me the two sisters got together and were having a good little gossip session. Oh, man, Jesus, I thought all this. Why didn't he come? If only he would have came when we told him to. I can't believe it. But Jesus says, Lazarus has died for the glory of God. You see, the sisters just seen it as he's sick and we want we want a healing. But God says, I want to show y'all a resurrection. I want to show the world a resurrection. That it wasn't about them, it's about him still. Last place quickly, we'll talk to you of showing about offense. While Jesus was talking to the crowd, this is talking about his mother Mary, his mother and his brothers, this is Matthew 12, 46 through 50, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. In other words, Jesus, can you come talk to us? We're, we're your family. Mom's here. You know, we, we were, lived in the same house. We grew up together. Can you come see? Yeah, what do you see? His mothers and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now, it doesn't say Mary got upset. But how many of you know that would have been a very easy place to get offense? When they're out there saying, you know, tell Jesus to come talk to us. And said, uh, who is his mother? That's what he said to say. And she said, oh, no, he didn't. You go in there and tell him, I was pregnant, riding on a donkey, was in labor in a stable, gave birth to him, raised him. You go let him know I brought you into this world, I could. You see, you would have been offended if you finished that statement. <laughs> How easily. You see, Mary and all knew that Jesus' ministry was more than that. How easily it could have been Mary would have took up an offense with Jesus. But she didn't. See, we need to be careful that when things don't go the way we want them to, not to get angry with God. We need to surrender total control to our life. It doesn't mean we're happy that things, when things don't go right. But if you're not careful, you could, from the, the revealing of the heart, you may not do it on the outside, but your heart is, God, I can't believe you've done this. God, why you didn't. And listen, sometimes things in this world will never know why. We might find out when we get to heaven, who knows. When we get, I like to say it this way, when we get to heaven, we won't even care about what happened here. 
But we want to walk in the freedom that God gave us and not pick up the offense from people, not even pick up an offense from God that we feel that, that he's not doing what we need him to, when we need him to, when we want him to. Remember, he's God and he's on the throne. We're not. Whatever happens in life, you say, you know what? This is for your glory, God. You're going to take, make something good out of come, come out of this bad situation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet right now. I want everyone just to stretch up your hands right now. And whether you know you have an offense or not, that you've been offended by someone or, some, or, or even angry with God, I want you just to say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I release this offense that I have, whether I'm aware of it or not. Father, I pray that you bring healing in my life and that pride would be removed. Father, that I begin to listen to what you say about me and not what the world says about me. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night for prayer.